0: On March 16th, 2021, I was having trouble falling asleep. I had to get up at 6am the next morning to get ready to go on a socially distant spring break trip. And fuck, I'm a college student, so going to bed at 10pm is nearly impossible for me. Out of desperation, I decided to check out some of my favorite news stuff. I'd still hopefully lull myself asleep. That's when I saw the reports about the Atlanta shootings where some bottom feeder of a human being shot up three Asian, you know, on spas, killing eight people, including six Asian women. Soon Park, Soon Cha Kim, Young Yu Hue, Emily Tan, Delania, Ashley Yuan Gonzalez, Dao Yu Paul Andre, Michaels, and... Hyung Jung Grant. I listed all the victims' names because some of the first bits of information I saw about the case was the name and the picture of the shooter, which made me want to vomit. <sighs> but I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I couldn't scream. I couldn't cry because my roommate was asleep. Yeah, it kind of a rough night for me. Honestly, while I was angry and so sad that the Atlanta shootings happened, the fact they did happen didn't surprise me at all. If anything, as horrible as this is, I was almost expecting it. Data from Stop AAPI Hate shows that since March 2020, there have been 3,800 hate incidents reported towards Asian Americans. These incidents coming in many forms, such as verbal harassment, physical assaults, and civil rights violations, such as denial of services. And around 68% of the reports came from Asian American women. Anti-Asian discrimination and violence is nothing new. If anything, it's an inextricable part of American history, whether it's immigration laws such as the Chinese Exclusion Act, the Watsonville riots where a town of Filipino farm workers were attacked by a white mob, and the Japanese internment camps, which I pray to God, I don't have to explain what happened there. However, last year, hate incidents against Asian Americans increased exponentially during the COVID-19 pandemic. As the first official reports about the virus came from Wuhan, China, it quickly became linked to that country. The association of the country and the virus did not generate Nuanced discussions about how the Chinese government's initial mismanagement and of the pandemic, and the cover up the cover up of the first coronavirus cases. Instead, what came about were people calling the coronavirus the Wuhan virus or the China virus in some juvenile attempt to be funny, I guess. And it also launched a bunch of conspiracy theories about it being created in a Chinese lab, which is. Really, really fucking dumb. Experts warned against associating the virus with a place and its people in this nebulous way, as oftentimes when stuff like that happens, it puts blame for the pandemic on them and creates an unconscious bias among the public. Many politicians and government officials help to perpetuate this association. Especially the former president, the human embodiment of a malignant tumor, who would tweet out anti-Asian rhetoric, such as calling the coronavirus the Kung Flu. Probably to distract from how badly he is handling the pandemic and to keep keep up his stupid dick-measuring contacts with China. It's also not surprising that this scapegoat ended up targeting all Asian people, as incidents such as the murder of Vincent Chen, a Chinese man who was mistaken for being Japanese when he was killed, and the U.S. prioritization of racial categories rather than ethnic ones, showed that bigotry is often painted with a wide brush. That's the social context these shootings lived in. Yet, even though these hate incidents have been happening for over a year, there wasn't much media coverage on the issue until recently, when Asian American celebrities and videos of physical assaults on elderly Asian people began to draw attention to the issue. President Joe Biden had condemned anti-Asian racism several times prior to the shootings. However, all of this came after a year of a violently racist president essentially blaming Asian people for the pandemic and other incidents of hate being invisible to most media outlets. I knew about all this stuff because I kept up with the news, as those were my people under assault. Yet, due to Asian Americans' cultural invisibility, I knew that most people wouldn't listen or do anything unless something really bad happened. As to forgive me for doing a very broad generalization, As this pattern happens to all marginalized groups in the U.S., whether it's LGBTQ plus people or black people, that a problem could go on for years, if not decades. Yet public attention or sympathy isn't extended until a whole bunch of innocent people die unnecessarily. And that's what happened on March 16th when eight people, including six Asian women and from Asian-owned businesses, were killed. Look, I was also not surprised by the fact that it was spas and Asian American women who were targets. When the murderer was questioned about why he did it, he claimed it was because he had a sex addiction and wanted to remove the temptation. He claimed he wasn't motivated by race at all. I feel like I shouldn't have to say that that's a bullshit response, but considering that the sheriff originally in charge before he got booted, And from the case, once people found out he promoted anti-Asian t-shirts on his Facebook page, said that the murderer had a really bad day, I guess I have to. Episode 2 and 3 of this podcast go more in-depth on what I'm about to summarize, but discrimination towards Asian American women is not grounded in only racism or sexism, but both of them. Not in the sense that you're adding up oppressions like a math equation, but that they happen at the same time to create their own form of oppression. Who look at it this way is often referred to as intersectionality. Intersectionality is a theoretical framework that investigates how intersecting power relations influence social relations across diverse societies as well as individual experiences in everyday life. As an analytic tool, intersectionality views categories of race, gender, class, sexuality, nation, ability, Ethnicity and age, among others, as interrelated and mutually shaping one another. Viewing racism and sexism not as separate things, but almost as working together to create a Frankenstein's monster of oppression is important, and why we shouldn't downplay the fact that this was a hate crime. <sighs> Even if we don't look at the Atlanta shootings, the history of Asian American women in this country shows how racism and sexism have worked together to oppress Asian American women. Asian women were barred from entering this country, and the way hate this was justified was that a betrayal of them as prostitutes who carried diseases and would destroy white men, an idea that has been perpetuated throughout our country's history, whether it's through legislation or the culture or that gave Asian American women a certain perception within, in society. This being the sexually exotic, docile body, who is mainly there to serve as white men, and whether that be as a prostitute or submissive housewife, at the expense of her own humanity. This includes the frequent portrayals of Asian American women as prostitutes in movies, where their foreignness and their racial I- identity is fetishized. What the Atlanta shootings make me question more is not whether this is a hate crime. It makes me question, how the hell have we learned nothing? Hell, Asian-owned spas and their Asian workers have long been associated with sex work. Not to mention, there is reason to believe that the spas might have had a history with sex work, though it is not confirmed, due to police reports and online reviews. But I do not have the time, patience, or even the research yet to get into our long fucked up history of criminalizing sex work and discriminating against those who participate in the industry and how asian american women fit into all of that that's a season two idea or an outright two-hour documentary either way even if these women were sex workers they did not deserve to die for that so, even if the murderer didn't intend for his motivation to be based in race, the fact that he passed every strip club in Atlanta and chose Asian-owned spas to me demonstrates an unconscious bias that at least in part is informed by race. I'm honestly just really tired. I'm tired of Asian American oppression being ignored and tired of seeing people who could easily be members of my family suffer. I'm tired of knowing that I am unwanted in this country, yet my experience might be discounted due to the model minority myth, another season two idea, portraying me and my people as somehow being above it, even though we are clearly not. Yet even if I wasn't Asian, I just don't want people to suffer or just because of who they are. Being Asian and being part of the dozens of different ethnicities and cultures that can fall under that, that category is a wonderful experience something that's made my life fuller. That's why I want to protect these people, not just out of fear or anger, but out of love and pride of being who I am. Part of the injustice of white supremacy or patriarchy is that it forces hate on what should be feelings of joy. That ability to see your differences as a source of strength and to love them unconditionally is the one thing I truly crave, not just for myself, but for other people as well. God, I don't want to end this on a total downer. If you get anything out of this, whoever's listening, I am uplifted by the fact that the public, government officials, and the media are calling the Atlanta shootings what they are. I hate crime. Not to mention, people are now going out of their way to educate themselves on the long, invisible history of Asian American oppression within the U.S., My teacher, who is supervising me in an effort to cheer me up, pointed out that the PMM protests last summer have probably made people more willing to look at the systemic issues of white supremacy in this country. I really hope they are right, because I might just go insane if nothing changes. If you want to help create that change, please check out these Asian American organizations. Asian Americans Advancing Justice, National Asian Pacific Women's Forum, South Asian Americans Leading Together, the National Queer Asian Pacific Islander Alliance, Red Canary, which deals a lot with Asian American sex workers, or other organizations that serve Asian Americans. It's pretty much as easy as typing in Asian American nonprofits in Google. These nonprofits do great work, and you can either do volunteer stuff with them or donate money anything helps I've donated to some of the above organizations and I'm trying to do my part whether it's through my own academic research I do on Asian Americans or this podcast educating the public or as, we east as much people I can reach and that's today's episode sorry that's all I got this was very unplanned This was supposed to be an episode about economic justice, which will be the next episode now. And yeah, I hope you've listened to my argument and at least on some level agree with me because it's important that this tragedy is contextualized properly and that hopefully one day the victims will receive justice and real change can happen. My name is Camille Montano, and this was Asian American Feminist in Trading.